Um, and I want to talk about hindrances to your vision. This is part six of our series, Arise and Shine. So I conclude today, and uh, next week we are going to have the uh, wonderful speaker who will be ministering. Uh, our dear prophet Steve will be ministering, so you know it's going to be fireworks. Um, so um, make sure you come ready to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. All right, but uh, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. We have been talking about how to shine in 2017 by emphasizing on fulfilling the vision that God has for you this year and in the years to come. And we talked about the different things we can do to shine. We said we can shine and fulfill our vision by number one, understanding our mission, why we're here. Number two, by identifying our vision, what God has called us to do within a specific time frame. Number three, narrow our emphases as we pursue vision, which speaks of focus. Number four, make yourself available to serve the interests of your vision. That speaks of your effort that you put into what God has called you to. Number five, Focus on specific or primary goals. You have to learn to achieve one goal at a time if you want to fulfill what God has called you to do. Six, be willing to invest financially to support your vision. Every vision that God gives to you will have a price to it, both in the spirit and also in the natural. And seven, commit to daily prayer and personal consecration. This is particularly important if you want to fulfill God's assignment for your life, you have to learn to continuously consecrate yourself to him. Now today, I want to speak on nine different hindrances that can affect you as you are pursuing God's vision. I'm just going to touch on each of them, and then I want to emphasize on one that I feel like the Holy Spirit has been laying on my heart throughout this week. The first one, first hindrance is fear. Fear. Matthew chapter 24, verses 24 and 25, concerning the parable of the talents, you will discover that the servant that had one talent did not put it to use. And this was his reason. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you, I knew you, sorry, to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. He said, I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Now when you read the parable of the talent, sometimes you can miss the importance of one talent. You see... One talent was equivalent to a thousand shekels or a thousand pieces. And uh, three, uh, a year's wages, the average year's wage was 300 pence. So 300 pence was the average year's wage. So one talent was like three and a half years wages. And it was a lot of money. And this individual was given great talent. But because of fear, they hid it. Again, I want to point this out to you, that God has given you tremendous talents. He has placed great investments in you. Whatever 
assignment God has for your life, there is a great value on it. And you must not allow fear, the fear of failure, the fear of what other people think, the fear of, um, of uh, the attacks that may come your way. I remember one guy that uh, was involved in a church plant. And uh, one day, they just decided they quit. And the reason was, as they went to do the Bible study, they noticed they nearly had an accident. And they said, hey, is this what this church planting thing is about? And so, they quit to this day. That's over 10 years ago. Fear can cause you to derail the vision of God for your life. Secondly, and by the way, this is not in the order of importance. Secondly, second hindrance that many people have when it comes to the vision God has for their life is unbelief. Unbelief. Their refusal to trust God and believe him concerning his assignment on your life. He says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. When you learn to trust God, God promises to direct your steps. Now in Proverbs, sorry, in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2, the scripture says this, For indeed, the good news was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So, they heard a powerful message under Moses in the law. A powerful message of deliverance of the promised land. He said they heard the same good news that we heard. But it did not profit them. It did not benefit them because when they heard it, they could not believe it. Beloved, when God calls you to do something, it will require your faith. And you have to choose to believe it. Unbelief is a tremendous hindrance to the vision of God for your life. Because it will cause you to put God on the same level as man. The scripture says, for with God all things are possible. You plus God are a majority. I don't care what the challenges are you're going through. I don't care how difficult it appears right now. If God has spoken to you, do not allow unbelief to hinder you. Learn to believe God and trust him. You see, he says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Mark chapter 9, 23, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. I tell you, because of unbelief, many have relegated themselves to the place of failure. They look at themselves, they look at what they have done, the mistakes of the past, and they say, I can't do it. I want you to know you can do it. Be like Gideon and believe God. You see, Gideon, when he looked at himself, he saw something else. When the angel came to him, the angel said, that mighty man of valor, he said, me? And God said to him through the angel, go in this thy might. Go in this thy strength. And Gideon came to a place of faith 
and was able to do what was impossible. I see many of you in this year of 2017 doing what seems impossible for your life. The third, the third hindrance to, we could talk on faith, you know, we like faith very much, but uh, let's move on. The third hindrance to your ability to fulfill vision or you fulfilling the vision of God is this guy here, laziness. Mm, look at your neighbor and say, laziness. <laughs> you tell them you are not lazy. <laughs> I didn't say lazy as in you're calling them lazy. That's not, that's not what I mean. I, I'm just saying, you know, laziness. Hey, it's a challenge. What I define laziness as the disinclination to exertion. I'm just not inclined to exert myself. Yes. Huh. Proverbs 18, 9. He said, he who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. You see, if you are slothful or lazy, you know, a sloth. How many of you know what a sloth is? Is that animal that kind of moves like very slowly. I wish I could do slow motion movements, but I'm not very good at those things. Maybe, who's a good dancer? Come in. No, anyone, no, come on. Hey. You see, what you have to understand is that when you are lazy about the vision God has called you, listen, every vision God calls you to achieve is going to demand effort. It's going to demand effort. Look, at times, some people, they, 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 they are very funny. They just think God is just going to do everything for them. Any anointing that you see anybody operating, they put a lot of work in that anointing. Yes, it is supernatural, but they had to put work in it. Huh. You know, at times, you see someone preaching, you think, yeah, me, I can preach like that. You can. You can if you put in the same kind of work. You know, sometimes put in the same kind of work, the hours, the days. Sometimes even to prepare for one message takes you a whole week of prayer, of fasting, of studying, just to give 45 minutes and somebody critiquing you. Mm, not so sure. Ah, not so sure. Listen, you have to recognize this, that if you are lazy or slothful about your vision, you are a kinsman. A brother to a great destroyer of your own vision. You are a great destroyer of your own vision. Not the devil. At times we blame the devil for it's not the devil, it is your lazy friend. <laughs> All right. Number four fourth hindrance to fulfilling vision procrastination. Look at your neighbor and say, that's another guy. <laughs> Close friend of laziness. <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are, I think they're twins. Procrastination. <laughs> Tomorrow. You see this vision God has called me to do today? I will do it tomorrow. Or later. Today in modern language we call it late, later. Later. Look at Proverbs 24, 30 to 34. Look at this guy. I went by the field of the lazy man or woman. <laughs> yeah, ladies, it could be woman as well. So don't, don't just say, uh, you men. No, woman and man. And by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was. 
all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. This was the instruction. A little sleep. A little slumber or snooze. <laughs> a little sleep. Let's just completely gone. A little slumber, snooze. I'm getting up. I'll be getting up in five minutes. Snooze button. <laughs> a little folding of the hands to rest. Let me just rest more, you know. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an old man. In other words, the poverty will creep up on you. One day you wake up and you realize you are poor. Just like a robber comes on somebody and robs them. And how did that happen? So many people say, how did I get here? You don't know how you got here? You are a friend of procrastination. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. How did they say it in... Uh, uh-huh. What's that? Manana. Is that if I said it right? Manana. You see, I have some, I have some Spanish. Manana. Manana. In, 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 in the Akan language, it's Ochna. Ochna. Huh. What, what other language is there? I want some languages. I want some. Huh? What's that? Let's just move on quickly. Procrastination. <laughs> procrastination. Is it one thing about procrastination? It's, it feels very sweet. No, actually, I, 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 how many of you know that when you procrastinate, it makes a lot of sense at the time. <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I, I can show you my example of procrastination. Procrastination, the gym. I'll be doing, I'm going to the gym soon. I'll be going soon. We've registered. <laughs> We've registered. We're paying, you know. Tomorrow, I, I, tomorrow I'll be at the gym. Huh. Yeah, procrastination. There's laziness in all kinds of, but when it comes to your vision, no matter how powerful the prophetic word. Some people think the prophetic word is going to grab their legs and do the work. No, no. You have to cooperate with the word. Procrastination is another hindrance. Fifth hindrance, distractions. Now, we touched a lot on this in the past teachings, the need for focus. But many times... People who begin to pursue their vision allow other legitimate things to take them off course. Good ideas, seemingly wise advice, but it takes them off course. There is a, a Greek mythology, I think, about one of their, one of their legends, I've forgotten his name, who was a great runner, and he liked golden apples. One day, 
He was in a race, a very important race. And he knew he could win that race. Everybody knew, but somebody had challenged him. I don't know the whole myth, you know, I'm just telling you the bit I know. Somebody had challenged him. And so they began to run this race. But the guy said, I can beat this guy. Because he knew that this runner liked apples. So as they were running, he had a bowl full of apples. And as they were running, he would throw an apple down that way. So the guy, because he was so confident in his ability, would go off, go and get the apple and eat it and then come back. And they kept doing this, kept doing this, and kept doing it. And in the end, he beat the guy who was faster than him because he kept going after golden apples. And this is what happens with many people. They know that God has called them. They believe that this vision that they are pursuing is right. But they allow other things that are of interest to them to get them off course. They become distracted. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, he says this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. I'm reading from verse 25 onwards. But we for an imperishable crown. 26. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, what Paul is showing us is the importance for him as an apostle to stay focused on the assignment God has for him. Not to allow anything to divert his path. And beloved, in the same way, what God has laid on your heart. This year is a year of leadership, of evangelism, and of the power of God. Don't allow other legitimate things. Say legitimate things. I'm not talking sinful things. Legitimate things to get you off course on what you believe God has set on your heart to accomplish this year. Many start a year well, but not many finish that year well. Through the course of time, they allow legitimate things, say legitimate things, to take them off course. Yesterday, we were doing the marriage enrichment seminar, and I said to the couples that were there, I said to them, marriages don't end up in divorce. I said something like this. Marriages don't end up in divorce because people don't love each other anymore. There are many divorced couples that are still in love with each other. And I said, you need more than love to have a happy marriage. There are some natural things you need. You need money to have a happy marriage. You need communication, but you need focus. You need focus. You're willing to work on it. Say to your neighbor, focus. So, distractions is another hindrance. Sixth hindrance is unfaithfulness. That is an interesting one. Unfaithfulness is another major hindrance to your vision. If you want God to give you your vision. In Luke chapter 16, verse 12, he says, 
And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Look at that. For God to give you your vision, you have to be faithful to somebody else's vision. If you are an individual who cannot be relied on by others as they are pursuing their vision, God cannot rely on you to give you your own vision. Now, this is a simple principle, but so many believers think they are exempt from the law of faithfulness. Faithfulness is trustworthiness, dependability. It is an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. And it is a very important ingredient to destiny. He says, if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is yours? Nobody. God will not give you your own. And this is why many believers never rise to the heights of what God has called them to because they have not learned to serve others. But I see you serving others. Learn to serve others in the workplace. Sometimes you're in a job and you know that this job, I'm better than my boss. But serve the man or the woman. Serve them. Do well by them so that God can promote you. Sometimes we pray, God, give me a job, give me a job. Shabo, kaba, yaba, prophet, pray. Call Steve, Steve, lay hands, prophesy. He prophesies, the power of God is released. You get your breakthrough. Then what happens? After three months, I don't like this job anymore. Come back to Steve. Steve, I need another breakthrough. Huh? They do that to us. And so I ask him, no, 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 hold on, no, no, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? You have to be faithful. Look, look at, you see, this side, some of them are laughing. This side, they're all quiet. You look like you're a bit guilty over there. <laughs> there is no shame in Jesus' name. No, but really, you have to learn to be faithful. Sometimes you are in context where it is not very pleasant. But for God to promote you, you must have a good spirit. You must have a good spirit there. Part of being faithful is that you have a good spirit. Sometimes you are amongst people that don't appreciate you. How many of you at times you don't feel appreciated? I didn't say in this church. I just said at times you don't feel like, hey. No, it's true. Sometimes, sometimes you, you, you know, sometimes even some pastors, I'm not saying me, some pastors, don't be, they don't feel appreciated. But you have to be faithful. You have to serve them. After you've served them, you've been nice to them, you've loved them, they'll tell you, these days your anointing is uh, it's not the way it used to be. Yeah. You have to be faithful because God rewards faithfulness. Beloved, on the day of judgment, God is going to reward your faithfulness. He said, well done, good end. Well done, good end. Not well done, good and anointed servant. Not well done, good and prosperous servant. Well done, good and faithful. Amen. Number seven. Seven hindrance to fulfilling your vision. Moral failure. Moral failure. Sometimes one great indiscretion can undermine years of hard labor. Yeah. One indiscretion. Now, God, listen to me. 
in the New Testament, God does not punish our sins. The punishment is for the day of judgment. God, does, God disciplines his children in love. But he doesn't punish us for our sins. By the way, there's a big difference between being disciplined and being punished for sins. Discipline is always, sometimes you're walking in righteousness and then God takes you through discipline like he did with Job. He had no sin, but he took him. Other times, you can see that this person is sinning and they seem to be getting away with it. At times, people have said to me, look, I've been living a holy life. I've been living a pure life. I've been coming to church faithfully and I'm not married. And then look at these people. I know what they're doing. I know how they've been living. And look, they just come and still got married and have a family. I'm really thinking of changing my values. <laughs> um, look, these are real things. And I have to tell them, I, I understand what you're saying. Just because the scripture says, just because sentence against a wicked thing is not speedily executed. He says, therefore, the hearts of the children of men is set to do wickedness. So, sometimes, moral failure can cause you to miss out on what God intended for you. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 13 and 14, we see an example of this. This was Saul. Sin caused Saul to lose the kingdom and also caused Solomon to forfeit God's perfect plan. In 1 Samuel 13, 13 and 14, Samuel had given instruction to Saul, go and destroy Amalek, every one of them. Don't leave anyone. Destroy them completely. Children, cattle, everything. Destroy it. Men, women, everything. Thank God for the New Testament. This was Old Testament. It's hard. Go and kill everyone. Pregnant with everyone. So Saul goes. Kills the people. Kills them. Pregnant woman. Kills everybody. Kills children. Everyone. Sees the king. Political movements for future. Keep the king. Sees the cattle. Say, ha! The cattle in Amalek is fatter than the cattle we have. Sheep are big, cattle big. He said, mm. And the people themselves say, hey, King Saul, are we really going to kill all these animals? Are we going to kill all these? Sometimes the people are telling you, democracy. Hey, Pastor, listen. This apply for a lottery fund. Apply, lottery fund. Everybody's doing it. This preacher has done it. Look at the great building. This one has done it. You not refund. But you see, one day we were praying and we had no lottery fund. Oh, no lottery fund. I remember one day I was praying. I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm looking forward. Now, please hear me carefully because I believe that this is good for you to get this, what I'm about to say, to be recognized by the queen. So I was saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm looking for it when I get my OB and, uh, and you know, I want really, and then he just said, it is not for you. I went, oh, it's not for me. He said, it is not for you. I was like, oh, but for other people, it's for them, but it's just not for you. It's like, oh, hmm. sometimes God has a path for you and you have to remain 
morally pure. Otherwise, you will lose out on your destiny. That's not wrong to get. I'm believing that many of you will get it. At least it's not for me, but it's for you. Because you see, for me, one day I'm going to say things that will be an embarrassment to the establishment. So if I'm now OB and all of that, I will have to embarrass them. And it's not good. But for you, you can come and defend me after I say it, if you're OB. <laughs> but look at this. Saul. He said, and Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. So Saul, Saul keeps the cattle. He keeps the king. And he destroys everything. So Samuel says, why haven't you obeyed? And Saul says, I've obeyed. He said, you haven't obeyed God's command. He said, I've obeyed. That's like some of us. Sometimes God will say, do something. We do some of it and we don't do it. And then we say, we've done it. So then, Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. He said, for now, look at this. For now, if you had passed this test, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. One moral act of disobedience destroyed his destiny. He said, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. In my next 10 minutes that I have left, I'll just bring this to a conclusion. Sometimes, one act of indiscretion destroys your destiny in terms of what God had called you to do forever. I remember there's been a few cases where I have seen this happen. I remember one day there was a situation and I said to Philip, the person is not in this church, all right, so don't even start thinking I'm talking about you. I said to Philip, this situation that happened, this thing that they wanted will never happen again. He said, ah, bro, are you sure? I said, I am sure. They have, that was a test and they failed it and it would never happen. And indeed, that person is even no longer in the Lord. Because sometimes one act of moral failure, that's why you have to be careful what you allow yourself to compromise with. You see, everybody's different. There are some things I cannot do. If I do it, it affects my life forever. No matter how frustrated I get with my wife, God forbid, I can't slap her. The, well, she will beat me up afterwards probably, but aside from that, the day I say, hey, shut up, pal! That will affect many things. Imagine if you hear about it. What would you say? Eh? He's a wife beater. I'm not going back to his church. That would affect many things. But more, worse than that, God would have seen it. Now, some people, they do that. Some pastors, they, both of them, Mrs. Pastor and Brother Pastor, they can fist the boxing and then come back to church and he will preach with a bruise and say, today, Madame and I, we had a very good time. And the church will say, yeah. <laughs> Quickly. Number eight. <laughs> Eight hindrance, bad friendships. Bad friendships. You have to be careful the people you allow to influence you. First Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. 
evil company corrupts good habits. You can, you can be coming to this church and you love this church. Everything about the church is beautiful. Even the Pastor Joe, his jokes are funny. <laughs> Pastor Joe's jokes are <laughs> Oh, and uh, you know, when Prophet Steve is ministering, it is so powerful. What a church. We have a, a prophet, a, red, a prophet in the midst. You hear, you see different ones, the evangelists. Oh, it's an old, wonderful church. And then you happen to befriend Sister Long Time in church. And you think the church is wonderful. You say, you know, oh, I thank God for this church. I thank God for this church. Such a wonderful church. Mm, yes, I suppose it is. Why? What's the matter? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. What's the matter? Mm, did you know? Hmm, I think the church is good, but you know, the way we pray, the way we pray, I think the tongues is a bit loud. It's too loud. Now, you never noticed it before. In fact, you thought it was a beautiful sound. But after they said the tongue, you said, hmm, you know, I've never thought of that. Let me listen. You hear Pastor Joe, you hear Pastor Steve, you hear different one. You say, hmm, uh, yeah, you know, it's a bit loud. I say, hmm, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's good. The church is good. It's a long time in church. This is talking again. This church is good, but um, I don't know about Pastor Aisha. I don't know. I don't know about Pastor Aisha. I think sometimes she's just too, you know, things have to be proper. You know, sometimes you just have to be flexible, flexible. <laughs> hmm, I've never noticed that, but come to, you know, and then you start noticing things in the church. That sister, long time in church, but, and did you know, Pastor Joe, hmm, I've been in church for a long time. Pastor Joe, he's good, but hmm, he's also got another side to him. <laughs> Look, one day, one of our leaders who'd been in our church for over 10 years told me when they first came to our church, there was a leader who's no longer in this church who was giving them Bible study. And they began. Bible study, and they began to tell this person how bad I was as a person, how I had done this. By the way, all the things they said wasn't even true. How I had done this, how I had done that. I stole Aisha. I stole her. She was somewhere, and I stole her. Yes, I went and stole you. And it caused her to think, mm. she said, nah, this person, I'm not going to be with them. And so she, they cut off from that person and protected themselves. I wonder what you've heard. Let's move on quickly. <laughs> Final, number nine. Final hindrance, offense. Offense. This one is the most powerful of all of them. One day I was offended. Somebody did something. It offended me. And I said, I was out. Are you offended? No, I'm not. Whenever you're offended, you don't want to admit you're offended. Look at you. This side agreed. This side was just completely quiet. When you are offended, you don't like to say, I am offended and I don't want to forgive them. You say, no, I'm not offended. I'm not, no, I'm cool. I've forgiven them. But you know it's a lie. We, we know it's a lie. We all know it's a lie. Look at Luke chapter 14, verse 1 to 4. Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they come. 
He said it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Four, three, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him and not say, no, you keep doing it, so don't come and talk to me. One day my daughter quoted something like this. Jesus says, you should forgive me. When I, after she was naughty, I said, but you know, Jesus said you should forgive me when I sin." Offense will cause you to abort God's perfect plan for your life like nothing else. Because it blinds you and it gives you an unholy confidence in your decision. You become confident that what you are doing is right. It blinds you. Offense will blind you to the obvious errors in your judgment. It will cause you to filter every action and decision through its lens. So you will look at situations through the lens of offense. I know what it's like. The other day, somebody asked me, I said to somebody um, that, they asked me a question. I said, I was offended by what that person did. They said, wow, that's a good, you you are honest. I said, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was, and I had to tell God, Lord, I am offended I was wrong to be offended, but I was still offended. And I had to ask God to help me. And I had to deal with it. And I had to tell the person, you have offended me. I told him. Why? Because Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And I was going to tell them what they have done wrong. Yeah. If you don't, that's how you become an offense. He says it's impossible for offenses not to come, but woe to him through whom they come. And then he shows you how offenses come. If your brother sins against you, address it. If you don't, you become offended. And if you become offended, you cause others to become offended. Offense leads us to isolation and self-conceit. Proverbs 18.1. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. When I see offense, if I'm counseling somebody and I, and I give them wise counsel about something and I see resistance, and, I, and, I, and, I, and then I leave it. Because I know no amount of wisdom can usurp offense. The only thing that can usurp offense is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. An offended person remains trapped in their offense if they don't deal with it properly. Look at Proverbs 18:19, and I'm closing. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And the contentions and contentions are like the bars of a castle. In other words, arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. When we become offended, even our friends can't reach us. Beloved, these are the hindrances. There are more that I'm highlighting to you concerning your vision. What God has for you. And in 2017, make sure you allow yourself to be informed about all these. So that what God has called you to achieve, you will realize it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to pray.
Now, specifically, I want to pray before I hand over. I've gone over time a little bit. I want to pray into the area of offense because that was the area that I felt in my spirit to focus on today. So I want to pray for you. And, and again, this is entirely between you and the Lord. Um, I know that I am, I've dealt, I've had to deal with offense many times. Um, but I want to pray with you. If you, before I hand over to Edmund, if you are struggling with offense, sometimes as a pastor, I will offend you and I won't even know it. So you have to be bold enough and say, Joseph, you offended me. And if I don't listen, you have to deal with it and take it to some of the other ministers because I'm not a law to myself. Somebody, sometimes somebody else in the church who's a leader will offend you. And you think because you're a leader, you can't deal with it. You can deal with it. Sometimes it's loved ones. So if in your heart right now you're dealing with offense, I want to pray with you right now. Can you stand quickly? I want to pray with you. I want to speak release into you. And as you stand, just raise your hands to the Lord and just tell him, Father, I acknowledge that I have been offended. I choose to forgive these people. Help me to forgive. Please, close your eyes, lift your hands, and just talk to the Lord, and then I'm going to pray with you quickly. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You guys are precious. I want you to know that as you're standing. To be bold, to stand in the midst of the church like this is wonderful. God bless you. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I stand with them. I know what it's like to be offended, to be hurt, to be wounded in the house of my friends. Lord, I pray for these precious ones. I ask for healing to begin to take place. I speak grace into them, life into them, that whatever the pain, they will know your freedom. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you so much. You may take your seats.